On the 18th of August 2013, Recep Tayyip Erdogan, now Turkey as president but then prime minister, tweeted, Buildings kill, not earthquakes. We need to learn to live with earthquakes and take measures accordingly. After the devastating earthquake on the 6th of February 2023, it seems that Turkey under Erdogan did not heed that advice. The Turkey earthquake had a magnitude of 7.8 and a magnitude 6.7 aftershock 11 minutes later. It's left over 40,000 people dead. By contrast, in 2015, an 8.3 magnitude earthquake in Chile just north of the capital Santiago, left only 11 people dead and only a few hundred houses damaged. Chile's also experienced in May 1960 what's been described as the largest earthquake ever instrumentally recorded with a magnitude of 9.5. So what lessons can be learned from the way Chile learned earthquake lessons? Dr. Vicente Sandoval is a research associate in the Disaster Research Unit at the Free University of Berlin. He's closely studied earthquakes and other disasters in Chile and worked with NGOs and governments on disaster preparedness in the US, UK and Spain. Dr. Sandoval, welcome to Sunday Extra. Uh, thanks so much, Julian. Good morning. The impact of this disaster in Turkey and Syria, of course, as well, is still unfolding. But what are your initial thoughts about the scale of the building collapses and the lives lost? Well, the, the, the first uh, impression is a surprise because um, in, in the field, the people that work on disaster preparedness and, and uh, we know the example of uh, Turkey in the earthquake that uh, struck the country in 1999. And after that was a huge disaster as well, around 20,000 people dead. And there was a lot of lessons learned from that. and. Part of this is the announcement of, of you made on, on um, Erdogan about the, the importance of have very good buildings, uh, good standards, but in, more importantly, this implementation of these standards need to be strictly occurred. So the mention, the magnitude of devastation, in my opinion, uh, doesn't match with the policies and the, the discourses from politicians. So it's, it's a real disaster. Do you agree with that uh, fateful 2013 tweet, buildings kill, not earthquakes? I, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, if, you, if you are in the, in the countryside and you have a earthquake like April 8 that occurred in Chile in 2010, you probably, the only thing that happened to you, probably you fall down to the ground mm. and that's it. What, what really kills is the collapsing of buildings, the lack of infrastructure. After the earthquake, what, what actually I was commenting in, with other colleagues is the, the disaster is taking place right now because all the people that lost their uh, houses in a very cold weather, extreme weather right now, is, is really threatening more people. The lack of preparedness, don't have proper um, emergency shelters, uh, resources to manage this, lack of logistics and, 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 and so on. Uh, we can only blame people for that, uh, the authorities, the government, uh, but the society as a whole as well is, 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 is um, also people not demanding, you know, put it these priorities. So it's definitely, it's a human factor who decided at the end, I think, the magnitude of the disaster, the, the earthquake, the extreme event, the natural extreme event is just a trigger. I think it's right that Chile is regarded well around the world for the way it's responded to some of those earlier earthquakes. I mentioned two of them, 1960 and 2015, but I understand that the aftermath of a smaller earthquake in 2010 was also 
very important. Uh, could you tell us about that and the broader virtues of the way Chile has responded to its disasters? Well, what, what make, make, make the case of Chile interesting is because Chile transitioned from being a developing country. It's still a developing country, but now it's considered more a uh, high-income country that uh, the neighbors in the regions. Alongside the economic uh, development, there was a lot of uh, tension on the environment, the situation of Chile. Chile is in, in, in the intersection of two tectonic plates, the Pacific and the South American plates, like Japan and Mexico and other, in other places, Turkey as well. Um, uh, we are familiar with the, with earthquakes and volcanic eruption and so on. So they are being part of the history and development of the country. The, the good part is that uh, Chile has, so to say, learned the lessons uh, from, from this disaster. The, 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 the last very big one was in 2010. It was a 8.8 magnitude. And the same year, we have uh, this earthquake uh, 7.5 in IT with only one month difference. And and the the results the the impact in IT as you probably know is yeah. it was huge. I mean uh, we are talking about two hundred thousand uh, people dead in Chile die around five hundred. The economic cost was huge. So we are now in the phase that like 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 Japan and and and, and most um, countries in Europe, North America, probably uh, in, in Australia and, and other places as well, is to how cope with the impact, the especially the economic impact, the social impact of disasters. That means, for instance, what happened with all these people that have lost their houses. The, this not houses is not only the infrastructure. Houses is is the place where you start. You know, you, you work. Uh, you probably you, we are going to see a massive loss of jobs as well. And this has a huge ripple effect on other dimension of the society. So the, the disaster is unfolding right now and it's going to probably unfold for the next months and years if not really decisive measures are taken in place. And I think in that case, Chile have made a, a great progress. It's interesting that obviously uh, economic development is an important factor. Money clearly counts in these situations, but there are other factors as well. And I've seen uh, Chile praised for the level of civic engagement and a culture of preparedness. What was it that made it possible to achieve those things in Chile? There was a, a really disentanglement of communities, uh, you know, this neoliberal uh, thinking posed uh, by, by the dictatorships in the um, 70s and 80s in Chile, uh, really fractures some communities and, and some uh, trust, interpersonal and, and intercommunity trust. But after that, especially by the new governments from 90s and uh, so on, a lot of um, uh, resources, not only economic resources, but, you know, um, uh, political efforts to reunite the country in the sense of uh, of social cohesion. And, and we see all the trends in, in, in all the studies, in short social studies, how this has been developing. And also the low level of, of corruption, even that now is increasing in the last decade in Chile, but uh, for, for several years, um, the, there was a very low uh, level of corruption that increased also the trust in authorities and a lot of policies were created regarding to this. Also, international community play a very important role as well. Um, we receive a lot of support, technical support uh, from, from uh, Japan, from Germany, from the US as well. In, in several fields regarding to early warning system for the tsunami alarms and so on. So it's, it's, a, it's a very combination of things. That's really interesting, uh, the idea of uh, trust across institutions. Could you give us 
some examples of other disasters that you've studied where you could point to that trust factor making a critical difference? Yeah, for, for instance, um, well, in Ecuador in 2017, but IT as well is, is a good example how if the people, for instance, doesn't trust in authorities, um, it's very difficult for authorities to plan emergency measures like uh, evacuations. Uh, people doesn't believe or doesn't trust in police or, or in authorities, and they triggered the alarm to evacuate some buildings, you know, and left behind houses with values things for, for many people. Uh, um, probably they will not follow the instructions. I was impressed to read that in one example in Chile, more than a million people were evacuated from coastal areas in a matter of hours before a tsunami hit. Yeah. Could you tell us a little bit about that situation? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, actually, most of the people that died in 2010, it was because of tsunami and the people were not properly informed. Actually, the president, Michel Bachelet, at that time, um, announced in the media, uh, because there was a complete uh, disconnection from media, television, in, in radio as well, that the people that could hear uh, the radio um, hear that uh, there were not tsunami alarm, but in fact was alarming. Uh, it was a tsunami. And the people um, actually trust in that. It was a technical mistake made by the oceanographic officials uh, that assess the data that they were receiving from the, from the system, the early warning system and communicate this to another superior and then to the president and so on and so forth. And so people that believe in that actually probably made also bad decisions based on the information they were receiving. But most of people that didn't uh, actually hear this, uh, just trust in what they believe actually in what we call the culture of prevention, that people know already if you live in the coast and you uh, you feel a very strong earthquake, it doesn't matter if the authority tells you something, you have to run to high hills or high, high grounds as soon as possible, because it can happen. And, and that is, is completely installed in people's mind in, in that we call culture in Chile. And, and that saved life, definitely. Dr. Vincente Sandoval, it's been really fascinating hearing from you. Just finally, do you think that Turkey needs to change its rules and regulations because of what's happened? Or is it simply a matter of enforcing those well-funded changes that you referred to earlier? Yeah. Um... Uh, definitely. What what I really think, um, um, because this is very sad, because we have been repeating this every time, and actually one of the biggest concerns is what what would happen if this happened close to to Istanbul, for instance, where you have more more rigid city is is absolutely possible. There are good examples. Chile, I think, is a, despite all the challenges and also the the the, the, the problems that Chile has, is a good example of how you can combine a sort of development economic development, social development with safety and, and, and resilience. The priorities in the country, in the, in the government of Erdogan and, and the countries before him, is that, okay, we live with that. We obviously, there are always big priorities. There are, uh, you know, the armies, uh, the social things, the employment and so on. And, and disaster preparedness is not only one element, another pillar that we have to consider, like isolated in a zillow. But rather, a disaster preparedness should be cross-cutting to all things related to jobs, should consider what happened when you lost your house. You know, pe uh, people's jobs need to be protected in case of a disaster as well. But we see this in gender issues, in infrastructure, uh, in other elements of society. So disaster preparedness needs to be combined with all elements of development, not only one thing and buildings only. You know, it's, it's, it's a really more complex. Dr. Vicente Sandoval, thank you so much for speaking with us on Sunday Extra. You're welcome. And Dr. Sandoval is a research associate in the Disaster Research Unit at Free University in Berlin. 
It's easier than ever to hear your favourite local and national ABC radio stations, live and on demand on the ABC Listen app.